Welcome back to Two Crees in a Pod. Uh, we are in episode seven of season four, and we are thrilled uh, to be joined by Ali Bear. Um, and uh, thank you, Ali, for, for joining us on Two Crees in a Pod. We're really looking forward to this conversation. Uh, but before I ask Ali to introduce herself in whichever way she would like, I just want to make note uh, that Ali Bear uh, is the third vice chief of FSIN uh, from the Dakota Whitecap First Nation. And so I am just, again, thrilled that you're joining us today, Ali, and that you've taken the time out of your evening to have this discussion with Terry and I on Two Crees in a Pod. So we're going to hand it over to you, Ali, and you can introduce yourself in whichever way you would like, and then we'll get rolling with good conversation. Well, thank you, Amber and Carrie. I think you were, were you smudging just now? I was, yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's a really good way to start. <laughs> you know, I was like, damn, where's my smudge? But, <laughs> You're all smudgy. Oh. We're, we're all on Zoom, so I'll just smudge yeah. the screen. Smudge, okay, <laughs> Virtual <got it>. smudge. <laughs> Perfect. Good day. Uh, Tuwe Iohana, Achia, Pitatanka, Skawi, Amakia, Peye, Wapahaska, Oyate, Tahanwahi. My name is Tatanka Skawi. That's my spirit name. It means white buffalo woman. I'm from Wapahaska, Oyate, which is White Cap, Dakota First Nation, which is just south of uh, Saskatoon and Saskatchewan. Uh, that's where my dad's from. So he's a he's Dakota. So I'm a Dakota Wean. But my mother is from Cody First Nation. And she's uh, Her maiden last name is Badger. So I'm actually Anishinaabe as well, uh, you know, and just uh, very proud of where I come from. And that's what led me here into, you know, becoming the third vice chief of the Federation of Sovereign Indigenous Nations, which is a really big choose to fill, a lot of responsibility, but I am excited to be here and to have a discussion with you guys about, you know, whatever's happening in the world today, issues and life so thank you for uh, inviting me to be here tonight thank you uh ali i, I really appreciate um you agreeing to to join us on this podcast i know definitely our listeners were advocating for you uh to be on two crees in a pod and i know that you know i've i've seen that you've been newly elected and i'm curious to know just what has been um your journey been like to get to like what made you want to be where you are today, if you want to share with us? Uh, well, you know, it all started when uh, I was these little. Uh, my dad has been chief for 25 years. And he's actually been a council community. And I've already always, I've always seen it. I've always seen it. I've always been around it. I've been around chiefs for the most part, most of my life. But then, you know, I wanted to kind of make my own path and that's why I became a lawyer. Mm -hmm. But so I went out and I went to post-secondary. I decided to go to post-secondary. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do like most people after high school. And when I opened up my very first book that I ever had, it was given, it was called Visions of the Heart. And the very first name that I seen when I just opened it up was uh, Patricia Montour. So she's a Mohawk uh, lawyer and uh, advocate and professor. And her daughter was actually a friend of mine, Kate Montour. I played soccer with her. And uh, unfortunately, when we were young, she she took her own life. 
And so I've always, she's always had a huge impact on me. And, you know, I have her, like some of her quotes tattooed on me. And uh, so when I seen her mom's name, it was just like the stars were aligning. And I literally just started studying her mom and all the work that she's done to help our First Nations people. And I was like, okay, I got to become a lawyer. So I did everything I could to become a lawyer. I had two daughters who are now six and seven when I was an undergrad. And a lot of people were like, you know, thinking that I was going to quit or, you know, doubting me. And I was just mm-hmm. like, no, like, I'm going to keep going just because you don't think I can. Right. <laughs> so I, I gave birth to my, my first daughter. Uh, and then uh, she was only nine months old when I found out I was pregnant with my second daughter. And so, you know, a lot of people are just like, yeah, oh, she's having another one, you know, type of mentality. Like, yeah. and I kept going, I kept going. And I, went right to, uh, after I got my sociology degree with the minor Indigenous Studies, and I convocated with distinction with my two girls, and people were like, well, what are you going to do with a sociology degree? And I was like, well, I'm going to apply to law school now. So I took my law student's admission test, and I totally bombed the first one, (laughs) you know, which is just reality of life. And I actually didn't really study too much I just thought I'd wing it (laughs) but (laughs) so I signed up for another law student admission test and I just I studied for that one and I was like wow so studying really really does pay off you know (laughs) I learned that (laughs) and so I applied to UBC law school uh, as well and I got in there I was accepted and that was my dream I got into family housing but then childcare kind of fell through when I was out there my grandma fell down some stairs at home and that was it. It was like, you know, you know where your heart's at and this is where I belong. I kept trying to move out to Vancouver. Uh, I've moved out there at least three times in my life and I'm just, I'm meant to be here in Saskatoon mm-hmm. and in, in Saskatchewan. So that's what, um, so I was a lawyer. I worked at two law firms. One's Gowling, WLG, and the other one's McCurcher LLP. I predominantly worked with First Nations. And what I was passionate about was revitalizing our traditional governance systems and implementing that into today, into policy. So, oh, I think that's my phone going off. Anyways, um, sorry about that. It's okay. So this is what led me into, you know, a lot of my work was with First Nation communities, even just, you know, talking, sitting with elders learning our oral history, our oral, our, our laws. And that was what I worked on in law school as well, was just like, what, like trying to learn and understand this, uh, these colonial laws and like how to navigate them so I can help our communities navigate them. But now it's, it's not about reform for me. It's not about reforming the system. It's rather about revitalizing our systems and reclaiming our systems because we already have that. And it's what I've been able to learn is that we already have the answers. Our elders have the answers. The land has the answers. Ceremony has the answers. And we don't need that colonial imposition. We don't need that white savior mentality. And, but the problem is that it just takes a lot of work to revitalize. Uh, It takes a lot of work to be able to, you know, reclaim who we are and our identity. And that's something I've been working on. And, you know, the more we know, the more we know that we don't know. Like, there's so much more learning. And I'm just blessed and honored to have been elected into this position because I I ran against uh, 
to to men and you know leadership you know it's 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 no secret it's been dominated by men mm-hmm. leader i know there's a lot of patriarchy that is within our society embedded in our society internalized in our communities and we are dismantling that and i feel that me getting elected was a symbol of that and and what's to come so i am um, you know i haven't really maybe let it sit in too much I've been so busy since I've been elected and before I was that I haven't really thought about it that deeply, but yeah, it's a pretty big, pretty big deal. So thank you for letting me think about that. <laughs> it is a huge deal. And, and I think that, you know, when, when we were following um, the elections uh, that I know that you have had, you had a lot of folks rooting for you at that point and still do. And, uh, and I think that, you know, even just in the story that you shared and, you know, when Terry asked, you know, what made you want to, you know, or what kind of guided you or what, you know, what was, uh, what are those things that you were passionate about that led Mm -hmm. you to the place that you're at? And I think that even just the story you shared around being a university student, you know, having babies within that and, you know, and, and, you know, (sighs) And I think that there is something so beautiful. And I want to focus on this for a second. I think there is something so beautiful about our women specifically. When you become a mom, you know, like you said, Ali, there's so many things that you don't know, right? And you don't know until you have this life in front of you where you're like, oh, (laughs) I have to feed you. I have to, what What do I need to do? And you have all these, you know, you you know, hopefully we, we have you know, cookums or aunties or, you know, uncles or, or people to help guide us. But, you know, what I think is beautiful is that while we are, cause I have a similar story in the sense that I gave birth to both of my kids while I was in post-secondary. And, and as much as I wanted to quit, I was learning about becoming a mom and all of the responsibilities that that carries along with fulfilling this educational journey that I was learning. So I was learning in this, uh, in this dual duality, right? Where I was learning to be a mom and I was also learning about, you know, social work theories and all these types of things. And I think that um, there's something so profound within that story itself. And, and I, I just want to, I just want to highlight that, that, you know, we have a lot of uh, young women out there who are in university who are, you know, taking their diplomas, their uh, bachelor's degrees, their PhDs, right, Terry? Mm -hmm. And they are pushing through these systems that we weren't even meant to be in, right? That we weren't even meant to be in these systems, and yet we're doing it while we're nurturing children and raising children and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so I just want to just pause for a second and just highlight that. That that is, I love hearing these stories, um, and I think that that's a very beautiful story to share. So thank you for that, Ali, um, for you know doing it regardless of of what other folks might have thought, you know that you could or you couldn't do. Um, and so I just want to highlight that. I also really like how you talked about uh, that this the journey isn't about reform. It's about revitalizing. And I think that that's also really brilliant because I think that we can spend a lot of time regardless of, you know, what 
you know, social sector we might be in or what area or what discipline we might be in that we can get really caught up on reform. And that's exhausting. Mm -hmm. Exhausting Mm -hmm. to be constantly engaged in reform, right? And so I think that uh, not to say that revitalization isn't also very tiring and taxing because it it definitely can be. Um, But I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that piece around reform. Uh, This isn't about reform about revitalizing. And I think that that's so incredibly needed uh, in law, in leadership, in mm-hmm. social work, in education. I mean, you name it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Terry, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry. Oh. My, um, yeah, I'm just... Uh, <laughs> are you there? <laughs> I'm here. I And I agree. Like, I think that, you know, um, Ali, as you're sharing that as well, you know, when you talk about, you know, one thing that you said when you're like, you know, when you, when, when folks doubted you, you know, that, that drove you to prove them wrong. And I think that, you know, I think about my, my own work, you know, moving from out of community, working more within uh, public institutions and the doubt that really heavily came um, with that um, in my role as, as a leader. And, you know, there was a lot of doubt. And so, you know, I had to work really hard. I had to work really hard to prove. And I think that was the driving force of, you know, the same sentiment of like, watch me, watch me do it. You know, and I think that as women, we, you know, as, as women, as mothers, you know, that's our, we, we do, we just get it done. Right. (laughs) We just get it done. But, um, and I, and I love that as well in terms of revitalizing our systems. I think that, you know, as, as a student myself, as I'm doing my PhD in social work, I find that, you know, that is often it's easy to go back into, um, into writing and researching around our history, which there's much of that out there. I think that, you know, it goes back to really writing about and again, revitalizing our practices, our traditional healing practices, which has been my, you know, my, my passion in the work that I've been doing. And, and sometimes folks, especially when you're doing your studies within a Western institution, don't get it. You know, they don't mm-hmm. get it when you're writing about it. They're like, what do you mean? You know, you can't write about ceremony and your experiences the way that you want to share them so to speak i can't share to you my emotions that i'm feeling of what you know that that relationship of that story listener storyteller right and so it's so it's you know today i was writing and i was saying to to our listeners you know i I put on i did my hair and i put some makeup on for ali because i didn't want to come on looking completely rough where i have been sitting in my pajamas you know with uh, my hair looking uh, pretty rough uh, and writing for the last few days. And sometimes I have to continually build myself out of that, that frame of mind where it's like, oh, but they're not going to get it. Mm-hmm. But then I have to remember, but who am I writing for? Who is this for and why am I doing it? Right? Because I think at some point there will be another Indigenous researcher or an Indigenous social work student that are going to get it. They're going to be like, yes, this is exactly, you know, my experience or my story. That's exactly what I was talking about with like Patricia Montour. Like everything that she writes about, I'm just like, yes, there's somebody else. Mm, like there's, this yeah. is, it just 
speaks to me. Like, it's like she's speaking directly to me and it just makes me feel like I can keep going. Like, I'm going to be okay. Like I can make it through law school. I can become a lawyer. I can. And, you know, and so that's like who you're writing for is for those to come. Right. And it's, it's so important that you do that work. And I, I felt the same too. Like I used to give PowerPoints in law school called decolonizing the law and like everyone just gave me looks like this girl's crazy but I'm, like, I'm like you watch me I'm gonna do it so you know and, that's, and now I'm at a point where I'm sitting at, at this weekend I was with the University of uh, Saskatchewan the president discussing these matters and I was able to tell him about how we need child care how we're not able to use elders as our resources because of this whole ethics and we have to you know, get like a three month approval process. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> this is how we are. We're able to cite our elders and get that traditional knowledge that we need to put into our papers. And it doesn't have to be followed by your protocols. Mm-hmm. So I like, I, I like, I constantly was challenging the, the university when I was there. And, mm-hmm. and that's why it kind of led me into leadership because I've just always been very outspoken and I'm, I'm grateful for for that voice that I've been able to have because I felt like there's always like one or two natives in like the classroom and there's usually the outspoken one and then there's like the quiet shy one and then you're always like she said this I'll be like speaking up you know so and I think that even um when you were talking about um I heard a story uh, when you were talking around like hereditary or generational leadership right and that uh, you have been surrounded by people who have leadership. And so um, I guess my question is, you know, when you think back to, you know, the years that spent, you know, hearing conversations around you as even a young person, as a small girl, right, or as someone who was younger in the home and hearing these conversations, what are some of the things that you think back on that you reflect on and you're like, this is how I know, right? This is how I know that I was meant to do this work, that I was guided by something, you know, much bigger than me, right? And and being around those conversations as a young person, I'm sure had, um, like I always say that my grandmother taught me everything I need to know about being a social worker, right? And so if you think about some of that hereditary or generational pieces of leadership, what are some of those things that you that you reflect on in your childhood that guided you here? Well, I think it was watching the pride that, you know, my, my father had in our community being the chief. He always like he's still there because he wants to be there. He was offered other positions in other places. He could have ran for, you know, chief of FSIN or, or, or somewhere else if he really wanted to. But his heart was always in our, in our nation. And I seen that pride, you know, when he wore his war bonnet, when he, you know, we had these um, events, you know, with, with non-Indigenous people. And I was little and I would see him and right. And, and that's what our children need too, is that pride, right? It's, that's, that's a lot of a huge piece of what we're missing. And then, so when I bring my daughters to events, I think the same thing, like, you know, I've been bringing them to events since I was uh, in like school. And so we were meeting judges and lawyers. I'm the only one there with my kids in a ribbon skirt. Everyone's like suited up and I'm like, you know, they're shaking hands and I'm just like, some, some of this stuff will stick. Some of the stuff they'll remember and they will be like, oh, yeah, I remember that one time because I that I tend to, you know, I think we all do. We go back to that one time. Oh, like, well, but especially my grandma's too, right? My 
my great grandma Sarah. I I really believe in that bond with your great grandparents. Like my great grandma Sarah, she was like our rock. She followed us wherever we moved to. She made sure she like we she was our babysitter, right? She took care of us and um that that type of solid support is just kind of what made me into the mom that I am. And now I live across the street from my grandma, which is my girl's great grandma. And for them to have that bond is just everything. It's everything. So I'm, uh, yeah, I've been, I'm lucky to be, be surrounded by, you know, a lot of people who, who have that work ethic and who are able to, you know, take pride in, in, in what they're doing. And, you know, it's cause it's not easy. That's for sure. But yeah. I think that that's really helped shape me into who I am today, for sure. So, <clears throat> Ali, what do you, what is, what does the future look like for you? Like, what are, what are you, you know, I always say, what do we want to be when we grow up? Because <laughs> <Yeah, we're not. laughs> you know, I, I think like it's always changing, right? Like I, we always have so many, you know, ideas and goals. And so, you know, in this, in this new role, you've already <laughs> shared, you know, that you are. A vocal person and that you are an advocate because you've been in some of these places where you can go in and now advocate on on behalf of all of us and so I wonder you know what is what is your your goal and your dream moving forward well I just hope to continue to break down barriers for those who are coming up and I want to continue the work of those who came before us I always found that really important and that's why I never really gave up is because I thought the work that I was doing and researching was our, our Indigenous scholars prior to me and I was just like this is so important and it needs to continue on because many of them have passed away mm-hmm. and and somebody has to pick that work up and push it forward because the the younger generations are watching us and then they need these past blazed that have already been blazed before us, but we got to keep blazing through for the, for the ones that are, that are coming and yet to be born. Because right now, why I ran at such a young age too, because a lot of people are just like, you're really young. (laughs) Like it's in politics, like I am, but uh, you know, there's such an urgency. We got climate change. We got pandemics. We got things happening and that's real life. And we can't keep denying it. We can't keep hiding things because the truth always comes to light. And we see that right now with the unmarked graves. And I don't even like calling it unmarked graves because they're technically crime scenes. Mm -hmm. And that still has to be handled. And there's just, unfortunately, such a very long list of, um, you know, that's, that's added to the list of genocide. And we need to make sure that we are, you know, taking our responsibility when it comes to our future generations. And we can't leave it in the hands of those who've never, you know, had our best interest at heart. We have to take that upon us. It's, it's a big responsibility, but, you know, like I said, someone's got to do it. And I think there's way more people who are, you know, seeing that and being like, yes, but, but now we got to really start to unite and, and organize. And I want to be a part of helping that organization and helping, you know, these these pushing forward legal cases, pushing forward, you know, our jurisdiction, asserting our sovereignty, language revitalization. If there's anything that I can do to help, then that's that's why I, I want to do what I do and why I ran for third vice chief. Uh-huh. I, 
and and I want to go. I want to take a step back. And uh, when you were talking about um, bringing your daughters along to um, you know events and your children seeing you, you know, in your ribbon skirt, you know, at these events and doing the work that you do, and you use the word pride, and that we. Uh, especially our our younger generations, our kids, um, you know, our future grandkids, and uh, and even folks within our age groups. Um, Ali, you're you're younger than I and Terry, uh, but Terry and I's uh, generation and your generation, Ali, require that 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 pride, right? They we we require this um, immense amount of pride. Uh, because we have been so stifled for so long. And like, we have, you know, been told exactly how worthless we are, you know, as Indigenous folks within this, which is now known as Canada. And I think that, um, you know, if we think about the issue of clean drinking water, uh, in a lot of our First Nations, for example, something um, like the lack of clean drinking water, or the lack of running water in our communities, can impact mental health Mm -hmm. and a lot of our young people uh in our communities like a community like mine you know kihuan cree nation which is you know two hours away from edmonton uh had was on a boil water advisory for like 30 years off and on right and so we have these we have uh, incredible uh, mental health issues on reserve and you think about you know our young people thinking if I am not even worth clean drinking water, then what am I worth? And so I think that it is incredibly important that we have folks like yourself, Ali, in these leadership positions who our young people can look to and say, hey, <laughs> uh, you know, Ali Bear, you know, mother of two, pushed through law school, pushed through post-secondary, survived post-secondary, because it's something that we also have to survive mm-hmm. in many um, you know, and is now in this leadership position advocating and speaking on behalf of, you know, all Indigenous folks, really. Um, and you think about how that in itself can instill a ton of pride, uh, especially for our young women. And so uh, as a mother of two daughters, a teenager and an almost teenager, um, I want to thank you for, um, for persevering and uh, for not giving up. And for stepping into this role, um, as you mentioned, it, it, it's big shoes to fill. But hey, girl, <laughs> we got big feet. <laughs> us, us Indigenous women, we can fit any shoe. I'll tell you that. Just like Terry said, we get it done. We're built like moose. That's what me and Terry always say. <laughs> moose. Built like moose. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. That means a lot. I really appreciate that. You know? Yeah. And I, I kind of seen that too. Like when I go, I've been asked to speak with the, you know, youth high school students or, you know, younger. And I felt like, you know, the impact because of the way they responded to me and some of their questions and they're brilliant young, the young ones, they're so brilliant and um, we need to listen to them more. I, I, I know this. I have people that are younger than me that I look up to and who have inspired me. And I've, I've, you know, 
told this to people during my campaign as well is that this the younger ones that we really need to listen to as well so and i and i think that because when they see me they can they can see themselves you know they can relate there's different stories i've been through and I, and i think that being younger they can relate to me they can see themselves in me and so hopefully they can they're like i got this right and that's what i'm really hoping to because I, I haven't talked about it on here yet, but I speak. It's, I speak openly about um, my my really bad car accident. I was in my set when I was seventeen, where I, I lost my right eye, and so this is a prosthetic. Nobody can really tell. Like sometimes you can the way it looks, but um, you know, going through things like that, and um, I speak openly about it with with whoever because you know we're always dealing with that with misrepresentations of who we are and labels and so forth and, and, and always trying to be fit these standards, these colonial standards that are unrealistic and also, you know, just they're basically, they're not real, right? So we have to just be, try to be happy with ourselves. And I healed well, very grateful to the creator, to my family, to ceremony, to the Western medicines that helped as well. And, um, but, you know, going through that, you know, and especially at that age, I, I just, I think about those young ones and what they're going through too mm -hmm. all the time, right? At that age, especially which is the way society is. There's a lot of pressure to be a certain way. And really it's just about being who we really are, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Ali. Um, I also want to just step back as well, just because we, uh, you made a comment to this Amber, <clears throat> And I want to make a comment to it as well, just because it, it came up when I was doing some research last year. Um, and it was in regards to understanding the knowledge that our young people have um, and our old people that they bring. And I think that there is a gift. There's a huge gift when we can bring together, you know, young knowledge keepers and our elders in these spaces um, because they bring different perspectives um, that are very valuable that are very valuable um, to our communities and the way in which we can um, meet the needs of our communities, so to speak. And so, you know, when we talk about like you, you're a young woman in leadership in this role, you know, your your gift um, in that space um, will bring a lot of of knowledge and and changes with that in itself. And so, um, as we are wrapping up i always want to make sure that we are offering and creating an opportunity for you to uh close but if there's anything um that you feel that you want to share with our listeners or that you think it's important for our listeners to know um what would that be um well, well, something that's really important to us as uh, First Nations people is, is our, our sense of humor. <laughs> so, you know, it's always being able to make light of a situation, no matter how hard it is, um, being able to get together and laugh through the hard times. I think that that's the laughter is healing. Anti-laughs are healing, oh, right? Yeah. Like you hear them and you're like, oh, we're going to like go join in. But like you're kind of scared because sometimes the aunties might like rip into you too. You're like, <laughs> so, um, I didn't have to remember that because 
that's really important for our peoples getting through any hard times is that, you know, when we come together, you know, I noticed that even like when we're at a wake together, mm-hmm. we ended up, you know, we talk about our memories. We talk about the good times and we, and we're able to share that with each other. And we're able to relate to one another and laugh and things that other people might not get are inside mm-hmm. jokes. You know, there's, there's a lot of native inside jokes and, <laughs> At the same time, you know, just um, being respectful, though, of, of each other, you know, um, remembering respect, remember the seven sacred teachings, remember, you know, it's really not easy to love and respect yourself because it takes time and work and effort. But when you love and respect yourself, that's when you you show that love and respect to other people. And that's what we got to teach our kids, because we want them to make the right decisions. We don't want them to take the path that we might have took. We don't want them to learn the hard way. We want them to just, you know, be able to be strong enough and love and respect themselves enough so that they can say no when they need to and have boundaries. But mm-hmm. also understanding that we're all human and we all make mistakes and we can come back from that at the same time. So laughter and respect, <laughs> we got to mix the two of them. And, you know, hopefully that will that'll take us to where, we are, where we're going. Because I see, I see the, the Red Nation rising and I see a lot of people who are, you know, breaking down those breaking cycles and breaking barriers. So I'm very proud of everybody. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ali, uh, again, for uh, taking the time out of your weekday evening to, to join us. Uh, we're very thankful um, and a big I hi to you uh, for for joining us and uh, and and you know and I and I want to wrap up our conversation by again um, really showing gratitude to you mm-hmm. um, and encouragement and uh, one of the things that I always say to my students uh, when they are when I'm finishing up a class with them or a term one of the things that I always say to them is I wish you great stamina. Um, because we can do amazing things when we have spiritual stamina, when we have physical stamina, emotional, mental stamina. And so I wish you all of that, uh, because I can only imagine how uh, taxing the work that you do is uh, in the political realm. Um, and also, again, you know, being a parent and uh and trying to have relationships, healthy relationships with everyone around you. And so uh, I wish you great stamina. We wish you great stamina. And Agamemok, uh, and, you know, don't give up. Keep going. Persevere. Uh, and we're rooting for you. And if, um, and if you need backup, <laughs> don't be afraid to call me a number. <laughs> okay, build, okay. Build, like, I'll they like moose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the moose. I'll remember that. <laughs> oh, we got you. <laughs> That's what's up. That's good. Well, thank you. Thank you for the team. Two crees in a pod. Two crees in a pod. Two in a pod. Hey. Natani means. Yeah. Hey. Let's go. 
They pushed us to this point Frustrations of a common man Manifest the destiny Preach and pledge the promised land I'm stuck between taking my journey Live with no honor Like what's the use of my kids Can't taste clean water A child born into a world Revolution's not a choice Fighting to be heard So we make them hear our voice Remember ancestors Anguish lightning in our veins Hear it in a language When they are kissing for the rain I am product of people That persevere persecution Paint me so creator sees me If I go out shooting Experience our pain When our women disappear daily Anxious to be angry, pacifists might hate me Trolls on the internet constantly trying to bait me We move in silence, cover of the night Learning from the wolves in the forest Tracking enemies in the woods Reincarnations of warriors riding for salvation Or are we false prophets when we submit to temptations? Colonization is a hell of a drug We all seem to go crazy when we fall in love I said colonization is a hell of a drug We all seem to go crazy when we fall in love I said Two Crees in a Pod.